Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... If you're a Christian, you're already on the team. Y'all know that? We're all on Team Jesus. So I get to be for everybody. What about them? I'm for them. I'm for them to get saved. But the bad group over there, I'm for them to get saved too. But I disagree with how that... Yeah, but I'm for them to get saved too. Y'all know we can disagree with people and be for their salvation. Because Jesus came, he didn't agree with the tax collectors, did he? No, he didn't agree with what they were doing, ripping folk off tax money. But he was for them, and he went to them, and he ministered to them, and he was successful at seeing some of them get saved. Jesus, a friend of sinners. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he reminds you of this characteristic about Jesus. Jesus met people where they were at. He didn't outcast them for not knowing him or who he was. He sat with those the world said weren't good enough. He healed anyone who came to him. He dined with those who were the outcasts of society. Pastor Bill explains that as disciples of Jesus, we need to be the same way. We too need to meet people where they're at and share in the good news. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians. Chapter 2, as he continues his message, Deceivers, Cheaters, and Believers. So if you get up at your house and you pray for some brother or sister and you're sincerely bringing them before the Lord, you're not with them in the flesh, but you are with them in spirit. Amen. And intercession is important that we do that. It's important that we we carry one another's burdens. When we when we hear something going on with somebody, I might not be able to be there with you, but I can I can genuinely spend some time lifting you up and taking these things before the Lord, knowing that God who is with me is with you. God who's in my bedroom in Inglewood is wherever you are on the other part of the world. We can pray for each other. We can intercede. We can we can tap in that way. And so Paul said, look, I'm Paul is locked up right now, right? He said, I'm, I'm on lockdown, but I'm mindful of you guys. And I'm praying for you guys and I'm concerned and in spirit. I'm with you guys. I care and I'm with you guys. And so moving on. So he says, I'm absent in the flesh, but I'm with you in spirit. And I'm rejoicing to see your good order and steadfast. Those two words. Order and steadfastness are military terms. Order, it describes the order of a company of soldiers. And then when he says the steadfastness, it's it's uh, it's, it's them getting into motion. It's like them flanking out, you know. And so Paul said, look, I, when I hear that you guys are, are together, when I hear about the, the unity, the strength that you guys have, he says, I, I rejoice in that. I'm rejoicing to see that you guys are ordered and you guys are ready to go. So he's saying there's, there's some good things about this church, but I'm also concerned. That the enemy is coming forward. And I believe that when there is a solid work of God, when there is a, a good thing going on, you can know that the enemy is going to try to join. The enemy is going to try to to interfere with what God is doing. I've seen times when God was just doing a sweet work and then the enemy just shows up with something. You know, sometimes the enemy wants to distract. I regularly pray that. I always pray before every Sunday, every Wednesday. I pray that, Lord, I pray you would bind Satan. That he wouldn't be able to do anything to distract or to hinder from the work that you want to do because he always wants to do that. Always wants to hinder, always wants to distract. I can think of so many times where there was some ministry going on, something something that God was doing and then the enemy would throw a curveball. It might be a person that he sends. It might be, you know, some weird thing that happens and, and we just got to be alert and, and ready for it, right? The healthier a church is, the quicker we'll find, we'll spot false teaching and be able to flush it out. When you got a church full of people that know the word and are bold in their stance for Christ and somebody come in with some weird stuff and, you know, they, they go over here and whisper it. And they go over there and whisper it. And before you be, five people will be bringing them up saying, this person is saying this. 
you know, we can deal with it quickly. You know, it, it won't spread. So we, I want y'all to know y'all are deputized. Somebody here, somebody creeping here saying some weird stuff. You, 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 you don't got to wait. You can deal with it on, on the spot. If they saying something that's not true to say, grab a pastor, grab a, grab somebody. Hey, come here, come here, 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 hear what this guy is saying. Go ahead, say it again. Say it again. You know, say it, say it. Now say it one more time. You know, just put, put them on blast. Look, I don't want it to grow. I don't want those things to happen. We've had that, right? We had a guy come at one point and he was trying to take everybody out to lunch. And he had some weird end time. He had wrote some book and he had some weird end time view and he was just trying to permeate the group. But here's the thing. He took three people out and I had three people call me and say they had the same questions. They're like, hey, I was talking to this guy. He said some weird stuff, man. And, and I said, man, if the first guy answered all the questions, the second guy said, man, he's the second guy that called me with some weird stuff. Like the third guy said, where are you getting this from? This is the third one. And they said, oh, this is the same. This guy took me out. I called everybody else back and I said, oh, we, we got it. You know, I was glad that they they thought it was weird, that it didn't line up to what they had already known the word said. And it got exposed quickly before anything else happened. That should happen in a healthy church. So, so know that y'all are all deputized. And if somebody come up walking up to you with some weird stuff, blast them. In the name of Jesus, right? I got your back. So <laughs> we're not having that up in here. So so moving on, verse 6 now, Paul says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is so important, right? Now Paul's instructing. He's already let them know, I'm writing these things that you wouldn't be deceived by people with persuasive words. He says this in verse 6, Now, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. How do you receive Christ? By faith, right? Faith in his word. Simple faith. He says, as you have received him, now walk. Simple faith. Don't get tricky. Don't let it get confusing. How did you receive Christ? It was simple. Anybody here remember how you got saved? It, was, it wasn't that difficult. You didn't have to turn, you know, turn flips and run laps. And it was very simple. It was faith in the finished work of Jesus. God says, now, now keep walking in that. Keep walking with faith in the finished work of Jesus. Continue to walk that way. Continue to walk with, as a person with faith in Christ. Faith in God, faith in what God says, faith in his word. Just the same way you started is the way you need to keep going. Don't let somebody pull up on you and say, well, now if you really want to get into the deep things of God, I got this books that you got to go through, right? Careful, careful. I, I don't need, I need the Bible and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's all. That's all you ever need, right? Now I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to books and helps and stuff like that, but I don't need them. I need Jesus. I need the word of God. I need the Holy Spirit. That's what I need. Those other things are cool. They might be helpful, but I don't need them. If I need an outside book to come to the faith that you have, probably not the faith I want, right? If somebody show up at your door with the Bible and another book, you need this other book to understand the Bible. You should throw both of them out, right? Because I just need the Bible. I, if, if God's word can't get me there, I don't want to go. Amen. So as you have received him, so walk in him. Received him with simplicity, by faith. Verse 7, I love these two words. He says, rooted and built up in him and established in the face. Rooted, he used an agricultural word, rooted. And then he uses an architectural word, built up. And, and both are important because one goes down and one goes up. Rooted, in agriculture, we understand that you got the roots got to go down and they got to get nutrients underground. So when you're being rooted, it's not really visible, is it? Now it's, it's happening, it's happening in, in the unseen, it's happening under the ground, but it's, it's preparing you to be built up. So you got to get rooted first 
And then you can build on that. So, you know, if you got a big tree, it's got to have deep roots. And so God says, first you get rooted. And so the work that God does, anybody get walking with the Lord first, there's a work he's doing. It's internal. And you don't really see a whole lot right away. But God, as the roots are going down, there's faith in Christ and you're growing your faith in his word and hopefully you're growing in obedience and there's repentance from sin and the roots are going down. The connection to God is getting deeper. The commitment to his truth is going deeper. And then God says at a point, now we can start to build up. Now the roots have gone down far enough. Now, now the agricultural term, now we're going to build you up and now we'll begin to do some things. Now, now we got a foundation on which to build. And I want you guys to know, and all of us, that's what God wants to do. What religion is, is religion is throwing a facade, right? Religion is putting something on, you know, putting a good paint job on a jacked up car. That's religion, right? Make it look shiny and good, but on the inside, it's all messed up. That's what religion wants you to do. Look good while you're practically bad. What God wants is, he says, I I, want to do the slow work. I want to plant. I want to till the soil. I want to put the seed in. I want to water it. And I want the roots to go down. And and I want want, want, it takes time. And the roots got to go down. It's got to grow. But that's going to take time. But you'll get there. Just keep feeding. Just keep spending time in my word. Keep spending time in prayer. Keep growing with the saints. And and the the roots will go down deeper and further. And you'll get stronger. And eventually, God says, now now, now I want to do something with you. Then begins to be a desire. God, I, I want to serve you. I'm getting in touch with what my gifts are. Now I want to, I want to branch out. I want to be useful to the Lord. I want to be, I want to do something for God. And God says, now we'll build you up. Now we'll build something on top of that. And so again, he says, Paul says, rooted and built up. And the key phrase is rooted and built up in what? In him, it's in Jesus. You're not rooted in anything else but Jesus. And you won't be built up in anything else but Jesus. Jesus is everything, you guys. The roots go down into Jesus and we get built up in Jesus what Paul is teaching the Colossians and what we're learning through this is that everything is wrapped up in our relationship with Jesus. It's not, you're not rooted in, in academics or built up in, you know, some other kind of rooted and built up. It's all in him. It's all in Christ, all in our relationship with him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. So this is what Paul wants them to continue rooted, built up, established in the faith. And eventually he says, just, just abounding in it with thanksgiving. We should be full of joy. Just abounding in our, our fruitfulness, and our relationship with the Lord with thanksgiving. There should be a gratefulness about this. The further you get going, the further you walk with the Lord, there should be a great thankfulness. It, to me, every time I get to peer back into my past, I don't peer back into my past and think like the good old days. You know what? I peer back into my past and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that when I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware I needed God, God came after me. Thank you for delivering me from the things that I've been delivered from. Thank you for, I've I've been blessed. It's been a blessing to know and to walk with the Lord. And so there should be a a great thankfulness that we're in him. Rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thankfulness. Now he gives another warning in verse 8. Verse 8 he says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. First thing he warned them about is verse four was he said, and now at least anyone should deceive you. He wrote these things, but now he says in verse eight, beware, least anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. So I don't know if you've ever been cheated. You guys like somebody cheated you, ripped you off or bumped your head. Um, I see these guys at home Depot and they'll be in a truck They'll roll up to a shopping center in a truck and in the back of the truck, they got, you know, boxes with 
flat screen TVs and sound surround sound systems, and they'll say, "Hey, man, we we got extras, you know." So I can make you a great deal right now. anybody anybody here seen those guys? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Let me let me tell you the game. Let me give you the game right now. So they have boxes and they have the externals of these items, but the insides are cheap stuff. So they might have a thirty dollar TV encased in the frame of a three thousand dollar TV. I don't know who does the, the work to do this, but they put it together. It's all shiny. It's in boxes with tape and styrofoam, and they put them out there. And so if you think, I'm about to get a $3,000 TV for $300, and you're like, hey, I, you know, you go home like, hey, babe, look what I got. You know, only spent $300. And then when you plug it up, it looked like TV back in the 80s. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all grainy, and it's, it's, you, you can't get no good sound out of it. The, the speakers don't work right, and you, you, it, it might take a little while for you to realize you've been had, but you've been cheated, right? You've been taken advantage of. Don't let that happen to you spiritually. Paul says here, beware. It's a warning. Beware, at least anyone cheats you. And he gives them, you know, what they're going to, how they'll cheat them. The word cheat here means to lead away from the truth, to subject one, to, to carry off, to carry you off as spoil. And so here he says, don't let them cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. And again, some of the people that were coming into the church in Colossia, they were coming with, they were philosophizing. They were, they wanted to talk through and, and reason through and, and talk them out of their faith. And so Paul said, don't let anybody cheat you through philosophy. And he says, empty deceit it means it's this deception, but it's got nothing to it. It's, it's empty, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world. But here's the key thing. It's not according to Christ. So if you sit down with someone and they got a lot to say, but it just, it doesn't come back to Jesus. You know, I've talked to guys that are right now, a big thing that I'm seeing a lot of locally is people that have gone, like that are gotten into Hebrew Israelite. So they believe that, you know, it's another form of, it's, it's, it's turned religion racist, y'all know. So Hebrew Israelites say that the, the all black people are the true Israelites. We're the chosen people of God. Everybody else going to hell. So if you're not black or brown, according to the Hebrew Israelites, so they put all white people in hell. So y'all know that's, we could just go to Revelation and say every tribe, every tongue, every nation, any form of racism, you can wipe, you could just know off top. That's not from God, right? But I'm telling you, you can sit down with these people with a, they got a King James 1611 Bible and they've been trained. And the scriptures have been twisted to them and they, and some of it's in the Bible, but a lot of it, they got to get from secular places and they philosophize about how we came from here and we came from here and all these different things. And at the end of it, I'm like, but at the end of all that you're saying, what you're saying is different from what Jesus said in the book that is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says he's saving people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So for you to say that one whole group is out, I, I don't see that in the scripture. I, I can't get there with you. But it's it's very prevalent and it's interesting to me that you can you can get a false belief going. I'm blown away at how many people use the Bible for the false religions. But they got to talk you there's a lot it takes a lot of extensive talking. They got to talk you. You can't just read your Bible and arrive at that conclusion. You got to go to prison and sit down with somebody to get that. So uh, <laughs> a lot of where they're teaching it at. So anyway, let no one cheat you through philosophy empty deceit according to the tradition of men. And the basic principles of the world. But the key thing is here and not according to Christ. That's not Christ. That's not what Jesus said. Here's the thing. If you know Jesus and that's who we want to get to know, we get to know Jesus through his word. We'll know Jesus. We'll know him through his word. We'll understand his heart. We'll see his compassion. When someone says something, it's like, that's not Jesus. I'm looking at our culture right now and I'm looking at people arguing and fighting over politics. And you know what my heart says? 
That's not Jesus. I don't, Jesus never did. You know, Jesus lived in a politically hot time too. And he just didn't do that. You know, Jesus was on a mission to save sinners. And it was Roman sinners. And it was Gentile sinners. And it was Jewish sinners. And he was on a mission. And it was a very, you know, it was a single focus mission. Single focus mission. I'm coming to die and save sinners. We got to be so careful that our world is begging us to, to champion this cause. Get on this bandwagon. You know, run with this group. Support this thing. If you're a Christian, you're already on a team. Y'all know that? We're all on team Jesus. So I get to be for everybody. What about them? I'm for them. I'm for them to get saved. But the, the bad group over there, I'm for them to get saved too. But I disagree with how the, I, yeah, I, but I'm for them to get saved too. Y'all know we can disagree with people than before their salvation. Because Jesus came. He didn't agree with the tax collectors, did he? No, he didn't agree what they were doing, ripping folk off tax money, but he was for them and he went to them and he ministered to them and he was successful at seeing some of them get saved. We got to be so careful that we keep it Jesus. And so as you're judging things, as you're making decisions about what you're going to champion, what you're going to get involved in, what you're going to give your voice to, ask yourself that question. Is this Christ? Did Christ ever do this? Is this his heart on this issue? Let that guide you, you guys, in what you wrap yourself up in. Because sometimes I think what's happening to the church is that we're giving our voice to things that God don't care about. And here's the thing. I can waste my voice on something God doesn't care about so that when it's time to talk about what he does care about, I got no listeners. I wasted my voice talking this. And Jesus is like, now you can't even talk about that. Right? I'll give one example. I'm not going to ask you your political stance. I would guess in a group this size, there are probably some differences. Let's say I got up here and I picked one of those sides. Whatever side you're not on, I might lose you, right? What if someone come here and they're not even saved? They need to hear about Jesus, amen? And they may have a political point of view that's born out of the fact that they believe whatever they believe. But let's say I waste my opportunity to speak Jesus to tell them who I think they ought to vote for this, this, this coming election. Was that a good use of my platform? Is that why God anointed me and called me to preach? To convince you who should be the king of this world for a little, for a few years? Absolutely not. I'm more concerned with who's going to be the king of your heart for eternity. And every one of us needs to be more concerned about that. That's what I care about. I want to know is Jesus king in your heart? That's what really matters. I don't care who the president's going to be. You know why? Because Jesus is still going to be king. The world is going to go the way it's going to go. Things are going to end the way they're going to end. And when it's all wrapped up, guess what? King Jesus. I'm part of an eternal kingdom. It's never going to end. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He'll never be dethroned. Whoever's here now will be gone eventually. They're going to live. They're going to die. And there'll be another guy until Jesus comes back. So I'm less concerned about who the guy or gal is for a few years. And I'm more concerned with, but it's Jesus king. That's everything. There are going to be people that die before this thing happens. And all that's going to matter when they die is was Jesus king. And so that's what we need to be concerned with. So don't give your voice, fam. Don't give your voice to that which the world cares heavily about and God cares little about. Give your voice to that which God cares about. Jesus is wanting, he needs to be being preached. And so Paul says here, look, it's not according to Christ. Verse nine, now he he ends. We got two more verses and I love these. He says, for in him, speaking of Jesus, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He said, look, in Jesus is all. Everything about God in a bodily form. Jesus is God with skin on. Essentially what he's saying. In him is all the fullness of all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then it says this in verse 10. And you are complete in him 
who is the head of all principality and power. And I've always loved this. I share this every time I do a wedding, right? I tell people that get married, a lot of times, you know, single people think that, you know, the, when I find my boo, they're going to complete me, right? I'm, I'm a, that's not going to happen, y'all. So like, you're not going to find a person to complete you. That's not how it works, right? What you don't want to have happen in a marriage, you don't want two incomplete people coming together trying to complete each other. Because let me tell you, women, your husband will never be what Jesus is to you. And husband, your wife will never fill the gap that Jesus needs to fill for you. What you you want in a marriage is two people that, like Colossians 2.10 says, you are complete in him. You want two people that are complete in Christ. Now they can come together and complement each other. Right. You come complete in Jesus. She comes complete in Jesus. You guys can come together and be complimentary. I can compliment you now. You can compliment me. We can help each other get down the road of what God wants us to do. And so he says you are complete in him. And so if you find in your life, if you think I need this to complete me, I need this job, this degree, this relationship, this thing. No, you don't. You're complete in him. And you got to come to that place where you understand that you're complete in him. You won't even be a good spouse if you think you need someone else to complete you. A wife that's looking for a husband to be what only Jesus can be, you're going to be let down and he's going to be worn out. Right? He's going to be like, I can't be that. He's not available 24-7. He don't have all the answers. You're going to wear him out and and you're still going to be disappointed. And vice versa. Any husband looking to his wife to be what only, you're going to be disappointed and let down. You got to come complete. I'm complete in Jesus. And now I come together with someone else and we're complimentary with one another. Anything else in this life, if you think a job will complete you, it won't. You'll just get it. You'll, you'll, you'll achieve it and be empty still. If you're not complete in Christ, nothing else, nothing will fill the void in our hearts that only God can fill. And so Paul tells the Colossians here, you are complete in him. You are complete in Jesus. Everything you need is wrapped up in your relationship with Jesus. You don't need anything else other than Jesus. You may desire some things. That's okay. You may have hope. You may hope for some other things, but you don't need anything else. You are, you're absolutely complete in Jesus who is the head of all principality and power. And so as we wrap this up today, Paul loving this church, warning these believers, they wouldn't get deceived. They wouldn't be misled through philosophy. They wouldn't be deceived through empty deceit. And he says, look, how how do you beat all this? He says, you guys, rooted and built up in Christ, complete in Christ. I want you to note that Paul's answer to everything ends with Christ. Have y'all caught that yet? His answer to every issue, you're to be deceived. You want to have knowledge and wisdom that only comes from Christ. You want to be confident of the mystery that's wrapped up in Christ. You want to have full assurance that it comes to you through Christ. You want to not be deceived because you know Christ. You want to know that you're not empty and you're not, you don't need anything anybody else is offering because you're already complete in Christ. When you know you're complete, complete in Christ, let me say this. When someone's trying to sell you something you don't need, you're like, I'm good, complete in Jesus. I don't need your philosophy. But I got this book. You can have real peace. I got peace in Jesus. I got this stuff you can blow in the air and it'll, it'll, make, you, it'll make you feel your aura. I got the Holy Ghost. I don't need an aura, right? You offer me all kind of, bro, I'm complete. And I, got every, I got the full package already in Jesus. You and me need to be content and com- we need to be confident of that. That way when someone's offering me something else, it's like, I don't want that. I want that cheap counterfeit of what I got the real deal of. I'm complete in Jesus. So my hope for you today is that you would find that you are complete in Jesus. If in some way you're not, right? Maybe you're here, you're listening today, and you would say, that's not my reality right now. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never fully surrendered to the Lord. It's possible, you guys, to be aware of God, aware of the truth of God, but not really enter into it. And so maybe you're listening, you you either are in or out, 
right? There's only two relationships you have with the Lord. You're in Christ or you're out of Christ. If you're here and you're in Christ, I'm going to pray for you that God would just continue to draw you closer and take you deeper. And as we're rooted in him, that we would continue to be built up in him. But if anybody's here today or anybody watching today that would say, you know what? I, I don't think I'm in Christ yet. You can be in Christ today. He died on the cross. He loves you. And he would receive you today if you would put your faith in him. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. Do you wish sometimes that it wasn't so hard to do what needed to be done, especially with a good attitude? I sure do. The Apostle Paul was a great example of this. As we see in this verse, he included in his letter to the church in Colossae. Listen to Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So often we forget it's Jesus who has given us a redeemed life, a life that's been forgiven of our sins. If we believe this to be true, then everything we do should be like sending a thank you card to Jesus. We may not always do a great job, but it's a good reminder. Friends, what we say and what we do matters. Not only that, but how it's done is important. Do you like the message that you just heard? Great. We're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is a product of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have extra time and are close, we would be overjoyed for you to attend one of our services, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or if there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that we've ministered to your heart and you feel a little more loved. We look forward to our next time together on A Transforming Word.